Welcome to Happy Times and Places, in which I, Toby Haydock, ask a special guest to choose a Doctor Who story and nominate their favourite things about it. I then watch the story and see if I can guess what those favourite things are. Hi, Toby. It's uh, Thanks for having me on. Uh, for the multitudes out there who don't know me, my name's Jeremy Raddick, and I played Gareth in the Doctor Who TV movie. And for the past 25 years, uh, I've been uh, shamelessly exploiting that to get me into exciting predicaments like this. Um, and now it's, you know, it's brought me here uh, to my basement uh, to talk to you about Inferno. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, this is uh, the alternative universe uh, of Happy Times and Places, which is pretty much the same as the one where you live, except all printers work and the six o'clock news is presented by Russell Brand. But other than that, it's pretty much the same. Uh, let's crack on. It's Inferno episode five. Uh, and I would like to press play now. So, uh, it's odd, isn't it? With uh, I mean, I, I grew up thinking all Doctor Who stories were four-parters. Uh, isn't that odd? Uh, but they, I, they were. Um, I mean, I, w I did watch some of the Key to Time, but I think it was on repeats. So, Sharda was cancelled. Season 17 is my, is my first, I think, proper continuous live memory. So, yeah, I, I thought all Doctor Who stories were four-parters, and then occasionally they did this wacky thing of having a two-parter um, uh, when Peter Davison came, came along. It was only much later that I learned about past Doctor Who, um, that stories were longer than that uh and and of course so so this inferno now is is episode five is is beginning when a lot of doc two stories are finished uh and uh, hasn't actually got more story than than many a doctor who story but it doesn't matter because it's got enough drama and enough character and enough incident uh there was a slight change in uh, in quality there. Uh, I'm sure there are whole essays to be written about the uh, the different qualities of the prints here, but uh, it looked slightly better. The stuff that was from last episode looked uh, slightly better than what we cut to. Um, I'm sure there's an answer to that, um, but I know that this this story is uh, is is you know it does not look how it would have looked. Um, it's got the slight sort of blur and uh, 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 and uh, well, blur, blur is a good, is a, is a is is the word that's springing to mind um, from the NSTC conversion. Uh, but you know, if it wasn't for the NSTC print, we wouldn't have uh, we wouldn't have an Inferno in color at all. And I think, and I think the color actually really helps with that that's a superb model i i i like a model shot you know um and a lot of these are a smaller scale uh which i i did mention before which i only discovered very recently when i was reading something about this um that all the film you know all the film bits of uh, a drill uh, and green goo are uh, are slightly smaller models um uh and i i I, I, you, I, I love it in the 70s when you could get hit I mean at least he didn't hit him on the head there he did the the back of the shoulders thing but where you could hit somebody with an iron bar and um, they'd, 
they'd be okay. Um, so that's pretty horrible. So Stallman is now trying to turn everyone into a primord, which is pretty grim. Uh, and oh, and to, to do that 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 thing where you, that you do in Doc Two fights, where people do a sort of somersault in the air, uh, which is a lovely, but you know, which is what you can do when you've got havoc, uh, when you've got your action by havoc. But yeah, uh, the seventies the have that marvelous thing, don't they? Of uh, and it's not just Doctor Who. I used to do a thing with my friend uh, Anton at, at uh, school where we used to do the sort of Mission Impossible thing of uh, you know somebody would be would be guarding something and we go we've come to mend a telephone and then give them a karate chop between the shoulders and knock them unconscious but of course it's all a way of packaging violence in a child-friendly way um and and the back of the shoulders uh is sort of shorthand for head and concussion uh but of course if you if you did actually whack somebody with an iron bar uh although looking at it then for the first time it looked like it had got uh, got a hole in the hole in the middle um uh, well, I mean, obviously, it wasn't a real iron bar, um, and it's yeah, and it's pretty grim because all those technicians are sort of they were littered about, unconscious, uh, and he's shutting the door. Uh, now, one of the one of the first things we knew about this story uh, that's Keith Ashley, that extra. Um, who everybody loved, um, uh, and he's a, he's a Dal He's credited as a Dalek, and he's credited in Destiny, and he's credited as a Zygon in Terror of the Zygons. He and Ronald Goff are the Zygons, and they're also the Crinoid in uh, Seeds of Doom. Um, and he was around for for donkey's years. Keith Ashley. Somebody should have interviewed him. He's no longer with us. Um, but. The, the first thing we knew about, uh, or one of the first behind-the-scenes facts that came out about this, was that Olaf Pooley didn't like the, the Primord makeup. Um, uh, but, uh, and, and so I'd assumed that in the later episodes, it's, it's not him. They got, the, you know, that the, the, they just, because it doesn't need to be him, but it, it actually is. It is him in the makeup, and he... He moaned about it, apparently, and uh, I, I actually t don't blame him. <laughs> I'm a serious actor. Um, but I seem to recall Nick Courtney in the extras calling him aloof Olaf. Um, but he was, uh, but I, uh, Annika Will said he was absolutely lovely and jolly and uh, maybe just a bit pissed off at having to dress as a gangrenous member of ZZ Top. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, we will get to the primords. I love the the lighting, the noise, the sweat on everybody's faces. Uh, theatrical sweat, by the way, is horrible stuff because it has to sort of stay there. Uh, what did I have it in? I had it in a, dra a, a drama I was in. I can't remember. I've had it a couple of times for telly. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and it and it it's 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 quite solid. It well sort of sticky, but then sort of solidifies, and it's yeah, it's it's it's, and it doesn't smell very nice either. It's not a comfortable thing to have on you, uh, TV sweat. And of course, if if you're doing a scene and you have actual sweat because you're under lights and stuff, like they they wipe it off and mop your brow and and and, and put powder on. Um, but I, th these these close-ups are really intense. Um, what I'm loving this time round actually that wasn't so clear on the old sort of millionth generation videos is that actually the the pre-transformation um, 
primord makeup this sort of bluey green stuff with the with the sort of sharp bristly hairs on the cheeks that you only see in the big close-ups that that ian fairbairn has here and that, that that walter randall had in the earlier episodes is actually really really good uh it's it's it, 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 it and it works really well in the in in the close-ups um uh, and, and actually look is 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 one of the things that looks uh that thanks to the improvement of picture quality you can see the sort of individual hairs uh of his chin and his cheeks there uh which are really hard and bristly looking and must have had to have been applied quite carefully um oh they're really if that's really effective and that's much that's something that struck me particularly on on this viewing uh because this is the first time i've seen it on a, a screen as big as this um uh and i i yeah yeah I, lo I, I love all this stuff with uh with 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 sutton you know going sod this for a game of soldiers uh Yeah, I, and 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 I and I love the way that the, the, the sort of world is conjured, uh, and 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 Liz glaring in the background there. That the the picture is really well uh, structured, and you had to do this. You had to sort of choreograph all of this stuff, you know, while just bearing in mind, you know, where each of the cameras would be. That that picture has to work for that 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 shot we've just had but the reverse also has to work so Derek Newark's positioning has to work for ca camera two and camera three uh, and there's no cut between them they're vision mixed so and I think we, that's what we underestimate a lot of the time when when the pictures look good in studio and just the groupings you know some people in the foreground some people in the background they're not being choreographed like you would on stage for just face on they're being choreographed for camera to the left camera to the right camera straight on and 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 so the the the, the sort of the the ballet like choreography of the movement is is really important and some directors are, are nothing like as exact as as others and you know camp camfield we're still i think that we're still going for his for his from his camera plans i'd like to think we are because i think he was a much better director than than barry Litz. um uh, you know, Barry Letts was a, a decent director. He was an excellent producer and a and a superb human being. But I, I'm 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 not a huge fan of his direction, which I I think is generally quite functional. Um, but I think this is brilliantly directed. I, th I I think there's a real attention paid to what every element does to ratchet up the tension, um, even from something simple like the yeah, as I say, the, the people groupings, but also. You know the closeness of the camera. Derek Newick's brilliant there because he's he he wants to tell her the truth, but, but then he actually backs out of doing so because he doesn't want to upset her. I mean that's quite you know yeah that's quite seventies paternalism is that the man has to protect the lady from the bad news. But you know the reason that it's seventies paternalism is because it's from the nineteen seventies and it was a bit paternalistic. Uh, but they've they've m made that a virtue in this particular element of 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 this production and i and i do buy i do buy all of this and it's it's rather tender and uh i i i love greg i wish i was like greg sutton i wish i was i could oh i could wear a cravat on an oil rig and probably get my hands dirty and also be nice to a lady um i bet greg sutton's probably 
sowed his wild oats as well and you know, drank whiskey and played cards with the lads and you know, and, and, and then been then been cool in some international bar uh, i don't know why i think people who work on with well oil was quite glamorous though wasn't it because it's worth a lot of money um but also it's you know it's of the earth um so i think oil men were sexy for a bit um the lights are, yeah the the lights are going down i noticed that shot when when sutton did the you know they're still playing at tin soldiers and does the the mock salute it was totally black behind him um that yeah it's it's you know the the darkness is creeping in and that was one of camfield's laments was that the the later episodes weren't as dark as he'd have made them but i still think they they are you know compared to the normal look of doctor who um you know death is closing in here disaster is closing in and, and the, i love 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 the the continual sound the 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 this you know this the 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 sound of the earth screaming out its rage but that the explosions and the yeah that's it i think this has got one of the best uses of sound in the, the whole of doctor who uh, which i will i'm sure nominate as one of my things if i haven't already i'm struggling to remember what i chose for the first th uh, three episodes uh i know i chose i chose douglas camfield in i for two and and the Havoc Boys for three, uh, and the cliffhanger for four. Well, this, but then again, this has got a great cliffhanger too. I can't just choose the cliffhangers every time because I've forgotten. Oh, because the cliffhanger for six is pretty, pretty stonking as well. Um, but, and of course, Jeremy chose John Pertwee. My guest, Jeremy Raddick, chose John Pertwee, and, and that was a very good choice. And I, I, um, often in danger of taking the leads for granted um, and uh, I think Pertwee was very self-conscious about his acting because although he was a seasoned pro um, he was the least experienced television drama actor of, of anybody in these productions you know um, and we know uh, you know we know he's a man of action and we know he's a man of vehicles and we know he's you know a, a, a gifted comedian who can uh, you know bring a lightness of touch to it but actually what he does most of the time in Doctor Who is he does straight dramatic stuff and that was of all of those things because we I'm sure you know we think well it's harder to be funny it's harder to be action and full of action to do action it's, it's harder to drive and control vehicles well actually all of that stuff that was Pertwee in his element most of the time playing Doctor Who is probably out of his comfort zone and I think that's admirable um, and, and because he never sort of really made a big deal of it um, I think that's sometimes underestimated with Pertwee um, was that this was all you know this was all new to him um, whereas Sylvester McCoy I think is much more of a natural clown uh, and has that wonderful brooding sort of bird-like melancholy but I, I i don't think he's as comfortable with the dramatic stuff because what we get get instead is that sort of worldly eccentricity and, and as i say that that sort of slight wistful sadness thing that he does so well um but he's he's you know he's more comfortable with that and certainly with the the, the comedy whereas whereas pertwee i think you know d d does the does the drama 
absolutely spot on. Uh, it's the unit platoon there. Uh, the, the, sorry, the Havoc platoon there. You've got Billy Oregon uh, uh, in the middle with uh, uh, Terry Walsh and uh, Derek Martin. Billy Horrigan, they used to call Billy Horrible, uh, who's still around, um, but has never done interviews and stuff. I think he's uh, lost his hearing. I think I may have mentioned that before, but um, I've, I've said it again louder for people who couldn't hear it. That's that's not me being mad and forgetting things, honest. Um, she would have been a different character with Kate O'Mara, wouldn't she? She's she's She is a bit drippy, um, Petra. Um and I was sort of thinking is, but is that her fault because of that's how, how it's written? But but actually, I can imagine Kate O'Mara doing this um, and doing the same lines, but but not being quite so so drippy. So, yeah. Um, casting is so interesting, isn't it? Because, and, and nowadays it's so compromised because people directors aren't even really allowed to cast this stuff it all has to go through execs and, and casting directors which weren't really a thing here i know that the, the bbc had their own casting sort of department and stuff but there was not, no casting directors really in the way that we understand them now a director would choose people and sometimes their wives um but she must have been going through hell with this because she had to carry on sheila dunn uh, making this story whilst her husband has had a heart attack oh i mentioned in um, not a heart attack but he he was taken off the production because of his he had a weak heart uh i said that uh douglas canfield was 48 when he died he wasn't he was 52 i said in episode three um so i'm correcting that i'm sure i will have added an addendum um but uh, it was it's because he died in 1984 um gosh long time ago now um now then how do we feel about the prime wards i mean i i already think the long hair sticking out the sleeves is a bit comical uh um it's no well no <laughs> he looks fine <laughs> um and the way that this is directed with the the other prime wards in the background is great i know they're not called primes those close-ups are all gloriously done uh and them coming through the smoke is amazing but then that they look like that now this they used to be a huge embarrassment to me they aren't now um i used to have this theory about um every doctor story had a giant rat i that talons away Chiang is you know absolutely brilliant uh, on almost every level and then this this terrible carpet thing comes and and just destroys all the hard work done elsewhere and i used to think of the primords as inferno's giant rat this production there's not a bad performance the direction is great the design is great the story holds up blah, 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 blah. and it's and it's got lemmy from motorhead uh after a sneezing accident uh as as the monster um that's very well done it's it, it, you know not the fact that uh, he gets scratched it's the fact that it takes a while and that they sort of hold him and that he has to sort of beg for his life and you know they no they 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 scratch him and turn him into one of them which leads to now this uh, this film sequence so this this so so you know greg sutton runs off and benton has to crawl to the the, the film part of the uh, 
of, of the complex in order to roll about and turn into a primord, which is a great idea to do this transformation on film because you have more control over it. Uh, it means John Levine gets to show that he's really suffering uh, and to roll around, which is really effective. It's a really good choice, and John Levine does it well, and this is this is good. That's the sort of blistering that's happening. Uh, I mean, you could do that, that, that mutation of the hand much better now uh, because that was an obvious... Um, you know fade from one to the other but then he comes up and he's got stupid false teeth and i think the killer is the is the black doggy nose uh and yeah actually i used to not like the sort of hair and the beard but they're actually pretty good um it's doing a werewolf is really hard and, and fun i've done tooth and claw for this and uh, uh, a, a filmy friend of mine was like uh uh you know you can't you, you know you can't you can't do hair on cgi well i think that the werewolf in tooth and claw is absolutely magnificent and 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 false hair or or even good wigs you know are you you know do have a a lack of authenticity about them so how do you design a uh a, you know a, a, essentially a werewolf that's what they are they're essentially a werewolf um I remember when I first watched this, this scene, I didn't really, um, I never quite knew when I read about the story quite how Sir Keith Gold fitted into it. But he's got this, he's got this sort of nice little subplot running through. And of course, he's not in next week. So this, as far as we know, because of course, Sir Keith Gold is dead, uh, which just sounds like, you know, when, when it when it first happens uh, in, in the alternative universe, when you first hear of it, you just go, oh, that's about, but of, of course, actually is sir keith gold dead because stalman arranged something so you know he got bumped off in 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 the alternative in warp two or whatever it is um whereas of course you know this is just a very effective way of doing it and i like keith james as the as the, as the driver um he gets a nice you know he gets a nice little uh, bite of the cherry as a uh, as, a, as a character um, and it's done with great economy and efficiency uh, uh, because because Stallman has has, has has you know duped the driver into to doing this thing um, but of course then we have the fact that the driver feels guilty so he has to say oh please don't tell anyone I'll be very grateful which means that he takes his eyes off the road which means that the car crashes and that's where we leave them and he's not in the next episode so you know has that uh as that uh you know has that spelled the you know uh the the increase uh in in our warps um uh progress towards the end of the world that nose is actually quite good in this uh that's dave carter you can tell well i i i can can i tell um or is it yeah, I think that was Dave Carter because of the eyes, or was it Stallman? Uh, no, that's that's Stallman. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's interesting. It's a it's a good choice, um, you know, to have the monster leer at the camera. That's quite shocking. But again, not not, not if he looks like, um, as, as I say, one of one of ZZ Top. Um, how do we feel about the primords? I don't know. I don't think. I dislike them as much as I used to. I used to hate them. They used to spoil the story for me. I actually think they're a pretty decent makeup. 
I love that cliffhanger. That's brilliant. Another great cliffhanger. Um, I actually think they're a decent makeup. And what I, I love... Oh, is this going to be my favourite thing? The credits, if you do not appear in our world, in Warp 1, you are credited by your rank and name from the other universe. So Greg Sutton is, is, is the same in both, but she's Dr. Petra Williams. It's Director Storm and it's Brigade Leader Lethbridge Stewart. So Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart is not credited in this uh, episode. Uh, Liz, Caroline John as Liz Shaw is not credited in this episode because uh, uh, they're not in it. Their alternative world versions are. And I, I like that attention to detail on the credits that uh, that yeah you're you're credit you're, you're only credited as who you are as a regular if if that if if that version appears in the episode that the but but yeah warp one takes precedence so i i like that that might, that might be i am a credit watcher that might be my favorite thing but yeah i'm i will talk about the prime Awards more because um i'm i'm vacillating with them uh but they used to be a source of great embarrassment to me um almost as much as my inability to use remote controller which is why you heard the beginning of the next episode um and why did i doubt myself it was definitely it was dave carter that 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 one that woke up um and then i suddenly thought oh is it is it olaf Pooley? no so always trust your instincts uh what is my favorite thing about that episode um I mean, I really like it, but but I do really like the fact that the <laughs> do I want to win this? Do I care if I win? I like the fact that the credits there's such attention to detail that they don't just go Liz Shaw, Caroline John, uh, even though that's what everybody sort of knows and expects. Um, that they that they that they do what I talked about at length over the credits. I like the fact that I like what the credits do. <laughs> Even though I, I mean, I'm trying to keep the sound in reserve because I think that might be my thing for the, for the overarching thing, provided I didn't do that for episode one, but I don't think I did. Um, uh, and I can't choose yet another cliffhanger, although that is a doozy of a cliffhanger. But I know we've got a doozy of a cliffhanger coming up. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't care. I'm the credits guy. I'm I'm choosing the fact that the credits um, go to the effort of crediting people as their alternative world self. No, I can't. Can I? Can I? Is it anybody else's favourite thing? I don't care. I don't care. I am. What's Jeremy saying? He's not going to say that. Well, I'm getting quite into this now. Uh, glad to be back and talking to you about Inferno. Once again, it is Brigade Underleader Jeremy Raddick. Uh, I still can't let you speak to the other one. He's still being uh, interrogated, uh, you know, forcefully. But, um, but we did have time to sit down and, and watch this episode together. And once again, strangely enough, both agreed on the same things that we liked about this episode and and the answer to this one is werewolves <laughs> yes i know i know they're called primords and uh, they're green and uh, you know they're not really exactly werewolves but let's be honest they're werewolves i mean come on do you have those over there in your world 
Ooh, gosh, it's embarrassing if I just said werewolves all this time and you don't even have them. But uh, if you do have them and uh, they do exist, that's what those are. And they're very cool. Uh, I, I think the makeup is, is just the right side of silly. Uh, it's so <laughs> wonderful. And they're green. And I don't know why. I've never seen the show before. But I have a feeling that someone involved with this very episode believed that all the best monsters were green. Uh, which was uh, it's just something that I personally agree with. And uh, I like their snarling teeth and and the sound that they make that sort of uh, electronically modulated sound it is so good it's just very enjoyable and i i have to say they're being quite menacing and uh, there's something about this series even though i have never seen an episode of it before there's something about it that tells me that when monsters are involved in it uh, things are really cooking uh, and uh, so i'm quite enjoying it now and um Yes, let's just crack on to episode six, I think, and we'll see what our favorite things about that are. I am getting a bit worried about the drilling outside. Things starts to shake a little bit. The earth's getting a little bit unstable now. They're telling me everything's fine, uh, but uh, to be honest, it's looking a little apocalyptic. <laughs> so hopefully we'll be back here in a few minutes and, uh, and going over uh, the next exciting episode. All right, see if you can guess what our... Our favorite part of that will be all right. <laughs> oh well, I'm I'm sorry uh, that uh, uh, the the drilling is getting a bit uh, a bit scarier. Um, well, I'm I'm slightly glad I went for my um, credits thing because I I wouldn't have chosen the primords because I'm still, and yes, they're never referred to on screen as primords, um, uh, but they are in the credits. So, um, uh because I wouldn't have chosen them because I have, I've had a love-hate relationship with them. And Jeremy mentioned that, the, sorry, the platoon under leader mentioned the teeth. I, I think the teeth are a, a bit of a problem um, because they're obviously clamped on sort of comedy teeth. Um, and, 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 and I think maybe a little bit too white. And I think that, that, Whereas the younger me, I think, worried more about the the hair and the beards, which I, I actually think, and I'm now having seen a lot of screen werewolves, I actually think are hold up pretty well. Um, it's I think it's the teeth and the doggy nose. <laughs> but then I do the sound again. The sound of uh, those creatures make is is amazing and brilliant and really helps to make them plausible. Um, and you know things like that. I'm torn about the hunchbacks, you know, that's the, that's a sort of way of going, you know, so the bodies have undergone a transformation are sort of gnarled and it helps the actors with their movements and the fact that they're all a bit scorched. Um, but why why is hair escaping from a wrist more comical to me than, than, than scary? It's a hard thing to do, a werewolf. I know they're not werewolves. Um... Could they have done anything else, sort of burnt like creature? Well, no, because they're they're primordial, aren't they? So they're they're a sort of they're a they're, you know they're an echo of 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 early man, you know, and savagery and you know pr yeah primal fear. So that you know the instincts are all all right in that. It's just so hard to do. Uh, funny, I, 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 am I. I I th I think I like them more now than I did 
when I was younger. Uh, I certainly don't recoil from them instinctively like I like I did. I'm not ashamed of them uh, in the way that I once was. So maybe in another 30 years time, I'll, I'll, I'll fancy them. That's something to look forward to in my old age. When, <laughs> when I'm... When I'm, when I'm <laughs> When I'm, uh, uh, instead of Googling nude photos of Roy Scammell, um, yeah, you have to listen to the last episode for context of that. I wasn't looking for him. Um, I would be Googling um, uh, <laughs> hairy primords. Um, anyway, <laughs> with, with that rather horrendous thought, um, uh, I'm going to leave you on not as good a, a well apart from saying what shall we choose for episode six um, I've got to find something that isn't the cliffhanger because I know the cliffhanger for episode six is great I chose the cliffhanger for episode four I would happily have chosen the cliffhanger for episode five Inferno is a story of great great cliffhangers um, uh, so in that spirit I'm going to You have been listening to Happy Times and Places. Thanks so much for doing so. I'm the host, Toby Haydock. My special guest is Jeremy Raddick on Twitter, at Jeremy Raddick. I'd like to extend my appreciation to podcast patrons who are Richard Alt, Simon Ash, Tilt Ariza, Sebastian April, Kit Allen, Mark Aldridge, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Ruben Herfindahl, Mark Trevor Owen, Jim Sangster, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Paul Cook, Peter Crocker, Rob Dawson, John Deere, Chris Dunford Kelk, Chris Bone, Jason Gorman, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, and Barry Platt. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates, and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. I listed just some of my kind patrons there, but if you want to join that illustrious bevy and get a mention yourself, which is one of the perks, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. You also then get early releases. I mean, they're much, much further ahead uh, on Patronsville. Uh, and you also get exclusive and bonus material. It starts from as little as £3 a month. You even get a 10% discount if you do a year in one go. Uh, and it's a nice place to hang out and I'll answer any questions. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that there seems to be an audience out there for this stuff. However, not everyone uh, is inclined to or wants to subscribe or be tied in. That's absolutely fine. You could do a one-off payment at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. But also, you might just want to uh, digest this stuff uh, and not invest. And that's absolutely fine. I'm just grateful uh, to you for listening. However, what you could do and cost you nothing uh, apart from a little bit of your time is to give this five stars wherever you receive your podcasts and perhaps leave a line or two of review as well it does really help there's a heck of a lot of competition out there and it's just nice to know that as many people are listening and liking this as possible thank you ever so much I'm a stand-up comic too. I do live comedy every Tuesday in Manchester, UK at 8pm at XS Malarkey Comedy Club. It's uh, a very 
affordable comedy club. It runs on a non-profit making basis and has me and four of the best comics from around the circuit. Uh, and that's also online because we were forced to do online shows during lockdown. They went so well, we're going to continue doing them. And that's going to be on the first Sunday of every month from the first Sunday in August 2021 at twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. Totally free, although a discretionary uh, tip, if you like, uh, a discretionary donation is uh, available as an option. But again, we try to get this stuff out there for as little as possible so that everyone can enjoy it. Uh, Twitter feeds at excess malarkey, X S malarkey uh, for the comedy club, at Toby Haydock for me, and at Haydock Podcasts for these podcasts. Thanks very much. Uh-huh.